Integrity is everything. Our way of life in this country rises and falls on the integrity of our leaders and the integrity of our infrastructure. Because integrity impacts everything, this is the Integrity Podcast. Powered by EXO. Hosted by Zachary Oliphant. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, coming back to the Integrity Podcast. I have a fantastic guest today. Josh Seabolt uh, was a technical consultant uh, with Burns McDonald. Uh, happy to have you here, Josh. So thanks for stopping by. Uh, Josh's background is 19 years in the civil engineering industry. Uh, he's done projects in, in almost half the states in the U.S., as well as work in Canada. Uh, Josh has done projects, everything from 345, uh, 34.5 uh, kV up to 500 kV uh, power projects. That's fun. A really diverse background there. Uh, he also sits on several committees and, and uh, memberships. He's a member of ASC 48, vice chair of ASC's Electrical Transmission Structures Committee, overseeing the manual of practices. Also sits on the NESC Subcommittee 5, vice chair, uh, and he's the vice chair of IEEE NESC WG7, as well as several other committees. Uh, Joss has given several technical papers, uh, which is fantastic as we sit here at uh, TS-DOS today at another technical conference. Uh, and, and Josh brings a really unique perspective to our industry because he started actually in bridge, and I'd like to hear a little bit about yeah. that, and then transition into utility industry. So, Josh, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for stopping by. And, and maybe we'll just start with your background. How did you, uh, you know, was there a seminal moment that got you into engineering? Did you like mathematics as a kid? Uh, just walk me through that. Yeah, um, thanks. Thanks for having me. I uh, grew up in the Kansas City metro uh, area. Uh, I was like maybe like a lot of typical engineers. You're decent in math. Um, my dad's not an engineer, but he was always accused of being one because he was very you know detail oriented, and so people would always just assume, well, you're you should be an engineer like your dad. <laughs> uh, so uh, when you end up going uh, to the University of Columbia, um, I'm a third generation Tiger. Um, I got three kids. Pretty sure one of those will go at least. So we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep the the it's tradition. Yeah, at least at least one. Um, and so went, uh, declared engineering as a ma- civil engineering as a major, well, really civil and mechanical. I couldn't decide. I was leaning towards mechanical because I, I, I like to work on cars and I thought, well, that's what I should do. I, I took thermodyna- thermodynamics and I, I got like a C in that. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's supposed to be the introductory thing of, of mechanical. And I thought, well, maybe that's not for me. And, and so I just said, I'll just stick with civil. So, uh, I did some D- uh, internships with DOTs, um, but ultimately ended up, uh, when I graduated, uh, I've taken a job and, and working in like the, the private side for um, for my whole career. Um, and so at that time, I was thinking, you know, every alpha civil either wants to design bridges or big buildings. Uh, ultimately, end up being I, I did bridges, um, and most of the bridges I worked on were in real parts of of uh, Missouri places you'd be lost uh, if you saw my work. <laughs> uh, but I got to do all aspects of it, the sizing, working with uh, you know landowners, which mm-hmm. sometimes that would be people excited about a new bridge and some people uh, not so excited. So I, I, I got to work and uh, like hone some strengths as far as being able to uh, try to find common ground with people who, who, who don't, don't want yep. maybe what, what you're offering. Um, and so did that for about five or six years. And then, you know, the economy started going down the tubes in uh, 08 or 09. A lot of smaller firms uh, started folding. And ultimately, we ended up, uh, you know, getting acquired uh, by, by Burns McDonald. 
Uh, so I, I like to tell people I came to Burns and Matt kind of through the like the side door. Yeah. Um, but I, it did give me some perspective of like going through, you know, before that happened of just, you know, going through some layoffs and some, mm-hmm. you know, gives you, uh, puts things in perspective of, of you know, of, of life and having a job and providing yep. for your family. Absolutely. So you mentioned you, you were in uh, bridge design and bridge right. work, and then you guys were acquired by Burns McDonald. Yeah. What was the impetus to move into the utility space? Yeah, it was, yeah that's, a, that's a good question because it's, it's uh, you know, that's kind of a big jump. Uh, you know, the, the NERC alert happened around 2010 where it required, you know, utilities to, to look at everything above 100 kV, and Burns McDonald was doing a lot of that, and there was an opportunity to, to work on that because that, that area of our business, our company was very busy. And so I, I worked on I worked on that for for three plus years, and um, and then it was a it was a tough decision uh, to decide. Well, okay, I've all I've done thus far is bridges. This industry looks like it's got no end in sight. You know, at the same time, I don't want to burn a bridge of, <laughs> of switching maybe switching industries. And but I, I thought hard, long and hard. I was like, if I do this, this is I'm done because I'm a I'm a long term thinker. I don't make rash decisions. But ultimately, I decided that it was in the best interest. And so, um, but it also gave me what I call a, a healthy level of paranoia. So I, you know, I'm, uh, at that point, I'm seven, eight, nineteen years in my career. Mm-hmm. I did all I did for three years was a very um, niche thing in, in T-Line Engineering or in PLS CAD. I was very good at one thing. We get done with that, and I, I'm like, I'm more further into my career than maybe somebody two years, but they know more about transmission line engineering than me. I was like, and so I, it just kind of lit a fire that I was like, I want to learn this. Mm-hmm. I want to know it really well so that I can catch up to be you know, where I thought I should be uh, in my career. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any mentor along the way um, at Burns McDonald um, um, as, as you were making this transition? I would say, I mean, I would have, I would probably say my, my most influential mentor um, was somebody who worked with, uh, with me across three companies, uh, more on the bridge side, uh, named Jerry Stevenson. And uh, he, he, he shaped a lot of how I do engineering now. He was the most detail-oriented engineer um, that I've ever known. Um, he was always right. You'd always find my, my <laughs> mistakes, and I always hoped I could find a, a mistake at Jerry's because then I'd feel like I, you know, um, had accomplished something. But I, I, things I learned from him is just like, you know, it's, it has to make sense. It has to fit together. You got to when we draw it out, it's got to be buildable outside. Yep. Um, he also always made time. Like at the time when you're a new engineer, you ask like you know a thousand questions mm-hmm. a, an hour, and I, at the time I never realized like. Oh, he has other work to do yeah. besides answer Josh's questions, uh, but I it just that I look back on that and I've tried to do that in my career of like and and kind of having a part of that be my job of like taking time to answer questions uh, and not just give the answer. Like I usually try to find like like what's the question behind the question mm-hmm. or, or 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 caveat too. But like hey, normally the answer is going to be six. Uh, sometimes it could be five because of this, and if it's ten, maybe you run. You know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that. You're learning engineering judgment because I, I more would rather tell somebody, you know, I, I use this analogy a lot when I was teaching my son, my oldest, to drive is like we covered a lot of fundamentals of you should do this if this happens instead of memorizing, okay, at this intersection, 
that this particular intersection, this always happens because yep. you're going to be in a lot of intersections in your life and you got to understand your fundamentals. So I'm, I'm huge on fundamentals because then you can apply them to anything else in life. That's right. That's right. So as, as you think about uh, your 20-year journey as an engineer and now you're probably mentoring some young engineers, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe give me some, some feedback there on, on how that is, uh-huh. uh, kind of full circle where you were mentored and now you're mentoring others. Um, and obviously, you, know, you and I grew up in a different time technologically than mm-hmm. young engineers coming in now. Right. Uh, walk, walk me through that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm big on making sure that the output makes sense. Um, we, we have software at our fingertips here that can calculate things very quickly. Um, you know, maybe you could say too quickly. I mean, uh, we both, we both know auto and I, and, mm-hmm. and, and I love the software and he would say this too, is like, you know, you need to understand what the software is doing. I mean, I, I tell people a lot, don't let the computer be smarter than you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to accelerate your career, understand how it did this. I mean, you can do, and I do this with, you know, small groups that I meet with is like, you, you can, a lot of things in PLSCAD you can do by hand, you know, you can calculate a sag of a, of a, of a single span very easily. Um, you can understand how a steel pole uh, capacity is checked, ASC 48, there's equations. Mm-hmm. The software is just using those equations. And once you see stuff like that, or even like a wood pole, you can figure out ASC has got a great guide in wood poles. You can understand that. Once you understand that, I feel like then when you see something go wrong that doesn't fit in your normal paradigm, you can be like, well, I understand that or I don't, but I know where to look so that you're just not, you have better context, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, It gives you great context to apply to weird things when they come up. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned your in your bit bridge background, you mentioned several times about the practical application of engineering right. in the field. Uh-huh. Uh, that's an area that some engineers really struggle with. Some engineers are really great uh-huh. um, at saying, hey, can we actually fabricate or build this mm-hmm. not only cost effectively but safely? Can we install it effectively? Maybe give me a, a story or two where, where that's applied in, in your career. I, I saw I had a lot of uh, field – uh, work uh, on the bridge side, uh, a lot of windshield time to, to get some of that field work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the good thing about going the field, uh, they'll, they'll always give you feedback whether or not you ask for it or not. Um, so, I mean, some, you know, I'd, I'd always tell people, like, don't go out there and be like, well, I'm the engineer and, you know, this is how it's going to be. Yep. Um, you're going to end up at the bottom of the foundation you know, <laughs> uh, with that type of attitude. Um, and so when you, you see those things or even – and sometimes if you can't make it in the field, I mean – you can learn stuff from YouTube. I mean, uh, but but get outside it, it, when you can and understand. Like, there's a, there's several ways to that could, might be correct, uh, but one of them or, or, or one of them is going to be probably impossible to build. Yep. I think it's a great skill if you can when you have a construction detail or whatever. If you can put that together in your head, like literally, how is this pin going to go through this hole? Is that going to bind? What's my orientation? All these things. If if all that starts to click in your head then I think you can make a lot better construction details. Uh, because the other thing, too, is remember, I just because I – let's say I'm right and I'm, I came up with a fantastic design. If I can't make it buildable, even if they're supposed to, let's say, mm-hmm. was I that great of an engineer if I could have come up with a solution that was perhaps simpler yep. uh, that could be a, you know implemented a lot better and less likelihood of, of human error? Mm-hmm. I'm always like to, to remove human error if I can in the office or outside. Yeah, no, Absolutely. And what a lot of folks don't understand sometimes is an engineer or then a detailer after an engineer has maybe spent weeks or months on a design, 
and then a fabricator gets a very small window to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they're under extreme pressure uh, with their welders and fitters and all those sorts of things to build it perfect, then get it in the field, and then construct it effectively yeah. uh, and perfect. And usually they, they haven't had the history that you've had with a project, so it's a very practical application. And uh, you see some folks miss the boat on that, so it's, it's good to hear. Now, would you recommend for young engineers go spend time in the field when they can, go visit with the field folks and all that sort of stuff? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, you will be a better engineer for it. I mean, every time, um, you know, I can, you know, I can remember sometimes, especially when it came like to pouring concrete and detailing how the reinforcement would, would be bent and placed. I could see practically well, that is hard to get the concrete there. <laughs> um, it doesn't just show up on the next page of the uh, page of the drawings. Yep. And, and to something that you said just a second ago, and I, I, I harp this on the our designs is like you can have a great design, but if the next person can't understand it, or you know, Burns Mac, we got we're big on quality. We, we mm-hmm. go through a lot of reviews. If your spreadsheet or your tool, maybe you think it's the best thing ever, but if I can't understand it or somebody else, or it can't be verified or used. Is it really that great? I mean, there there's some beauty and simplicity as long as, you know, with the appropriate measures. Yeah, absolutely. So shifting gears a little bit to the the power grid, and you've probably seen, like I have in my 20-plus years, the grid change a lot. Right. Uh, with the advent of renewables coming on and battery storage and, and, and demands coming up, um, electrification of vehicles now putting more demands, mm-hmm. um, hottest summer, I think, on record, right. putting demands on the grid. Maybe kind of walk me through this complex system that we live in, and we all think it's easy just to flip a light switch and you've got power. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of the challenges around that and, and what you see the next 10 or 15 years of your career uh, as you're fighting these challenges. Yeah, so um, you mentioned, you know, everybody's wanting an electric car, so we, and, and we have 100 devices in this room even, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, three of them on my body that I charge every night. Um, so we, we definitely have more demand, and then... Um, I, I use this telling my, my kids this the other day, Kansas City, Kansas City Chief Stadium is, is at the intersection of two major interstates, and there's a bunch of roads leading up to it. So you can get a lot of people into that facility, you know, relatively quickly, you know, for, for a game, uh, and even quicker if it's the Royals. Because uh, <laughs> uh, their stadiums yeah. are next to there. But if now if we, if we uh, take things offline that have been creating power for us for a long time, we move them somewhere else, i.e. that move being solar, wind, or something else, and we move Chief Stadium to some uh, suburb, you know, or you know, just suburb out by me where there's just a couple of residential streets in there, we have a need for a lot more transmission lines. Um, and so there's a need for more transmission. Um, there is, uh, but that's not always, um, or it's almost never, um, exciting for, you know, somebody to have a new T-line. So, um Two things, I mean, two answers I think I, I don't have necessarily have like how it's going to happen, but you know, to permit a line can take 10 plus yep. years uh, before you know you start uh, scratching the earth. Um, so somehow that's going to have to speed up. Um, we have existing corridors, you know, we can fi- we're going to have to find ways to uh, put more juice down the same corridor. I think a answer possibly on some of that stuff is going to have to be. Conductor types that we haven't used uh, predominantly, stuff that can take more ampacity w- without sagging as much. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's two things I think I see 
are going to have to happen to, yep. to do all this stuff that's been decided for us. Yep. No, absolutely. So walk me through maybe a couple of challenging projects that you've worked on, uh, maybe an unexpected outcome or something that you learned about yourself and, mm-hmm. and a really difficult project that you worked on. Right. Um, well, I'm going to keep it a little bit broad on that, but uh, but some, some engineering um, – you know, fundamentals that I apply is that my function of my job, I review a, a lot of work or sometimes get pulled into uh, difficult projects. And a lot of times that can be overwhelming for whoever was working on it or e- even myself. And so I sometimes I just try to go through what are, you know, when, when I'm decided or somebody's decided this is stressful, this is hard. Well, what's causing that? Most of the time it's because of the unknowns or the variables. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and this is a, concept that works with all engineering if you can understand your variables um limit them where you can and then start chipping away at the edges i mean i I sometimes i've kind of coined this phrase i think i have um i like to like work around the bounds of absurdity if if i can um if i have unknowns that are outside my control well if i assume the most absurd thing um, that's not likely to happen. Do I do I violate whatever I'm worried about? And mm-hmm. almost like if I had a rectangle, I'm kind of bounding it in and, and, and trying to to hone in on that stuff. And this, so that's usually how I work through. Because I'll get asked uh, part of my job function. I get you know a bazillion blinking Teams messages uh, about random things, mm-hmm. and and so I'm usually asking a bunch of questions so that I can hone in, kind of like going to a doctor and they start asking a million questions to figure out that. It's you know it's your patella tendon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's how I approach problems is understanding what is the unknowns. Okay, absolutely. And you mentioned a little bit teams and uh-huh. technology and the uh-huh. kind of the change we've all gone through with COVID over the last uh-huh. couple of years. With the advent of AI and machine learning, how are you seeing that affect your daily work, or or do you see any of that being implemented into what we're doing moving forward? And what do you think are maybe some of the risks or rewards of that? I, I'm going to say I'm, I'm still a little, I think it's still a touch early on um, what AI will change for transmission line engineering. Um, I definitely think that anywhere where there is, you know, remedial processes of, of, of number crunching, uh, that that's going to pl- come into a role, probably something where you're trying to optimize a solution, you know, with computing power that, you know, five years ago we didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it's – I mean, so that would be cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that solves the the problem of it taking 10 years to, to, permit, a, That's to right. per, permit a line. So um, up until now, uh, I found it to be very helpful for uh, helping my kids with their math homework <laughs> on uh, math that I've since forgot. But – you know, and I've seen this too. I've read about it. I've seen it be completely wrong on the math. Something yeah. very simple. So I think there's there's a ways to go there before you know I we trust it blindly. Well, I'm happy to hear professional engineers <laughs> struggling to help their kid in math because uh-huh. I certainly uh, I certainly struggle to help my older kids in math as well. Um, so maybe walk me through an example. We talk a lot in our business about how integrity is everything, and and maybe you have a, a story or an example about that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in engineering, your entire career is built on your integrity, on your designs, on trusting in the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some quality checks and other things that come behind that. But kind of walk me through maybe an example in your career. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think it's it's definitely a, in a lot of ways can be tied to, to quality. You know, integrity, I mean, there's a lot of definitions. But, you know, something effective, you know, doing the right thing even if nobody knows or nobody's looking. And so 
I like to, you know, when I'm mentoring folks or, or checking work and stuff, you know, there can be things um, that somebody thinks that don't matter. Um, and, and, you know, to be clear, I mean, with engineering judgment, you can decide, well, it doesn't matter, you know, that there is a, a mosquito on the, the foundation or something. Mm-hmm. But there can be other things where um, maybe you don't think it matters today. But uh, one thing we see a lot in our, our line of work is that you're going to do the same thing over and over again because somebody's going to move a structure. We have to change um, concrete to steel or whatever. And so being intentional about very diligently making sure everything's right so that I'm trying to limit uh, human error. And especially too, you know, we should, we should, you know, I would never do the right thing or want to do the right thing um, so that I could make a sale or that I could somebody think, you know, better of me, but I will tell you this, that especially, and maybe you'll use like carpentry or something like you can, you can tell like a master craftsman use construction details that didn't, nobody would have ever seen unless they, you took apart their work. Mm -hmm. If when you're doing things right all the time and somebody who is sharp has to deconstruct your work and they see it, I, I don't see how that's ever a bad thing for your your professional, um, uh, you know, people, what people think of you professionally, because when somebody sees, oh, they, they took the time and they did this thing right that they didn't think I was going to see. I mean, I'm going to trust somebody a lot with that because, because they did something right just because they should have. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Josh, any other kind of comments or questions you want to make? Uh, shout out to your kiddos. Uh, yeah, if, if they ever listen, uh, yeah, <laughs> Tim Salas and Joanna, uh, I hope you're, hope you're getting a, a good laugh out of this. Um, no, I mean, I think I, I would leave, you know, that, you know, if, if you're a young engineer and you want to advance your career, um, take something, it, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but you can, if you can just, you can pick something, you know, there's good resources out there. There's textbooks. You know, if you're using PLSCAD, you could work through the the, the manual. Um, we're at a conference right now here um, recording this. You can read papers. I feel like when I started getting curious, um, I would ask questions. And when I couldn't get an answer that I liked um, after going to the, you know, the, the darkest places of, of wherever, I was like, well, maybe I can figure this out. And most of the time I could, and I think you, you can too. Um, I, I bicycle a lot. And uh, one of the way I grind through miles is um, coming up with abstract ideas for papers <laughs> and then trying to answer, like, figure it out. Like, why can't I understand this? Or what would I have to do? Sometimes it makes the bike ride go a, a little bit quicker, uh, keeps my, my brain off of uh, the hill I'm going up. Mm-hmm. But you know, being intentional with your career, things like that, when you understand those fundamentals, I just think everything clicks. And you, things like, why why is the structure controlled by this, this case? Um, does it make sense that we're applying this load this way? Um, does my client understand the ramifications of the criteria they have? Um, that's to me where you are, AI can't tell you that, um, or yet, or I think. Um, and that show that's a value of, you know, I'm a consultant, you know, we, we, our company consults for, for folks. That's a value of a consultant when you can tell them the why, the ramifications of the decisions you're making. Absolutely. Well, awesome, Josh. Well, thanks for the time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing some insights and your background and uh, your career and, uh, looking forward to the next 20 or 30 years of your career. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you.